also brought to you by the Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. Eat local, but stay coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant. The Boatyard is located at 1555 Southeast 17th Street in Fort Lauderdale. That means you can come by boat or you can come by car. Enjoy the nautical atmosphere whether you sit inside in the cold AC or outside on the patio bar. The Boatyard has something for everyone. Monday through Friday, happy hour. Where local favorite is bar bites and handcrafted cocktails. Open for lunch, dinner, and the popular Sunday brunch. And don't forget, ladies night. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. where ladies drink free. Dock and dine at the famous Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. I am sure you'll have a great experience. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Captain Jeff. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Guy Podcast. I got Stephen Busaka, the shepherd, with me today. And we're up at the famous River Palm Cottages in Jensen Beach. And there's a guy in our network, in the Real Guy Network, that uh, we reached out to. We wanted to get a recording done with him. Taylor DeFusco. What's going on, y'all? Good to be here. I am... uh, Glad you took some time to come over and um, be on the Real Guy podcast. Busaka has been crazy excited. Dude, well, well first of all, I'll tell you, you know, I want to say, you know, as Jeff said, thank you so much for being on here. And uh, on behalf of Lamont Jones and myself, we also want to say thank you for not wearing your orange safety shirt today. We really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, see, this is a really special podcast for me in particular because I still remember a few years ago, here at first hearing the name DeFusco and it was on a video that you did on the on the Lunker Dog Fishing on YouTube. Right. And you were doing like a QA. And there was a Taylor there was a question from somebody named Taylor DeFusco. And that name, and I never told you this either, that name stuck with me. I was like, DeFusco? Because there's not a lot of Italians. I knew you were gonna bring up of the Of course Italian I was going the, the, the fact that this is like the holy trinity of Italian fishing guys right here. Right. Now, if you, you hold know, the microphone next to your mouth, yeah, I know. Stay it's, focused, it's, it's, dude. I know. I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm so excited. And the fact that homeboy brought us, you know, cannolis, fresh. I'm getting like a sugar rush right now. Now it's starting to hit me. So, t- 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 talk about the cannolis real quick. So you knew that Busaka was going to be here, and I was going to be here. Every time I talk to Busaka, he brings up the Italian thing, and he he said he was very excited that we we're going to have another Italian. A part of it so i stopped at the uh the fresh uh at the bakery to get some fresh cannolis and i thought that would be the gentleman thing to do is bring some cannolis over before we uh we start a podcast and that, see that's the real guy thing to do that's real italian right there dude <laughs> that's really italian <laughs> it is taylor what part of italy is your family from anyway well you know the funny thing about that is cannolis were um they originated in um sicily uh I grew up thinking I was Italian the whole time, and I worked in this restaurant with um, the manager was um, was Sicilian, straight over from the boat. And he goes, "Your last name's DeFusco," and he goes, "Well, you know that's Sicilian. It's not even Italian." And I said, right. "All right, I guess my family's been wrong this whole time. I'm Sicilian." So I took his word for it, and uh, I don't know what I am. So Dude, either or. No, you're Sicilian. You're Sicilian, which mm-hmm. is what we are. So basically, what that means is we thought we liked you like before, and now we like like you even more that you're Sicilian. 100% because Sicilians are like bottom of the barrel compared to the Italians. Sicilians are basically like the rednecks Mm -hmm. of of, of Italy. (laughs) I think is the best way to put it. Like my great grandpa was actually a commercial fisherman and they grew up in a fishing, in a fishing village over in Sicily. Like my grandparents, my dad's parents, they're actually born and raised there. My dad was only the, he was the first generation 
that wasn't actually from there was my dad. And that was up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Right. And you're from Jersey originally, right? Yeah, I'm from uh, South Jersey. And I'm a whitetail hunter from South Jersey. And a lot of people don't think of uh, Jersey as hunting or, or fishing. And um, I lived in the Pine Barrens. It's a big state forest with log cabins and cedar lakes. And we grew up whitetail hunting. And um, I did uh, flounder and weak fish tournaments growing up um, really? as a kid. Yeah, so uh, hunting was a priority. Fishing was like a second love, but when I moved here to Florida, um, I started watching these uh, videos on YouTube of uh, Captain Jeff, and <laughs> I, I saw Jeff on, on YouTube, and he made fishing exciting. Uh, I grew up watching Bill Dance. That was funny right. and stuff like that, but you would watch all these other fishing shows, and um, they didn't get the, the attention. They didn't get the blood flowing Like when I started watching Jeff's videos, and it actually made me want to be a South Florida fisherman, and that's how it started. Honestly, like my whole career here in Florida was by watching really? Jeff, Jeff's videos, and, and I've, I haven't told anyone this. I told that's Steve this. Really cool. I told Steve about a week ago, and I was like, I got to give credit where credit's due. If it wasn't for watching Jeff's videos and getting so pumped up for catching snook and tarpon, and uh, and the braid versus mono and mm -hmm. and then the swivel guys, I would not be where I'm at today, 100. percent All right, podcast over, home run, fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> no, but that just that just goes to show it's like the power of the that that to me is a demonstration of the power of the Real Guy Network. Like you could influence somebody's way of life, literally, and basically their their means of living. Yeah. Dude, it's all about, you know, being yourself. It's about telling the truth when the truth is needs to be told. And, you know, if you don't put up an image and a facade and let people actually feel what you feel, then you can inspire, you can motivate, and more importantly, you can have fun. Like, there's nothing that makes me feel better than uh, when guys yell across the bay at me, run that dog, and they're laughing and they're high-fiving. Or, you know, they roll up to somebody and ask them if they can get a dozen and that kind of thing. But um, getting back to the Italian thing. So where's Poveromo from? He said somewhere in northern Italy. All right, so po I, I never even heard of this place either. See, in, on the way down here, Busaka, I don't know, he kind of doubts that George is really Italian. And I think DeFusco kind of made it clear for me. Is yeah, George is Italian, and us three fools are Sicilian. So, so basically what you're saying is Pope Rome has basically drawn a line between the Italians and the Sicilians. No, you drew the line. No, I didn't draw no line. I mean, just because he's a white dude with, with blue, blue eyes. eyes and everything. He's got a little bit of a twang. Right. And you, and you were thinking that like he wasn't Italian, and he ends up being the Italian one, and you're the Sicilian one. I just feel like my whole life is a lie right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, listen, if, if you look at me closely, when I grow my facial hair out, it's red. They call me red beard sometimes, so I think I have a little bit of Irish in me too. So he's like Jimmy the Irishman. Remember Jimmy the Irishman from Goodfellas? <laughs> <laughs> You're Taylor the Irishman. <laughs> so Taylor, Taylor, um... <laughs> Now you've had a you've had a, a a pretty long journey as far as uh well considering somebody your age and 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 where you've been but you've had a pretty long journey as far as getting into the fishing world and um I remember when um I don't know how many years ago it was when we did the first trip together 
what, five maybe? Six? Yeah, probably about. Yeah, time's flying. Time's flying. And um, I remember you telling me that, um, you know, your goal was to be able to get on some boats and actually fine-tune the game and become a real professional fisherman. And um, I've been watching your posts the last couple of years especially, and it looks like you're a pretty good way down the path. Can you kind of maybe take us through, you know, from watching the Captain Jeff videos, from moving um, from New Jersey, coming here, exactly, you know, how, how, how you've gotten to where you've gotten and, and explain to everybody exactly where you are in your fishing career? Yeah, absolutely. So watching your videos sparked an interest for fishing with me and then the action part behind that starts where does a guy from south jersey that catches uh flounder and weak fish um go to get into the professional sport fishing in south florida i started walking the docks started watching youtube videos on how to tie knots i watched fishing shows i went on the forums uh, i bugged captains to wash their boats when they came back into the slips uh, to wash their reels and uh, I followed all the mates around. Uh, I followed all the captains around town at the bars until a guy would either let me on his boat and teach me something or he would tell me to get off of his boat. And a couple have. Right. Um, I, I made it an obsession to, to do something in the, uh, in the sport fishing industry. And uh, when you show up on time every single day at the dock, they see that. Because in sport fishing on these boats, uh, you know, it, there's no HR department or there's really uh, y- your word and your integrity and, and honesty goes a, a far away and, and your dedication goes a really far away. And, and I started getting out on these boats and I just worked hard and kept my mouth shut, honestly. Right. right. And um, the mates that taught me and some of the captains that that taught me, you know, they call me now for advice on some things and and i'm i'm truly grateful for for where i'm at today it started from working on a couple party boats okay um going out and people just uh offered me a couple bucks for my time on the weekend um i started uh i I talked to my accountant and just opened up my own dba and uh, i quit my job at the restaurant because all my clients at the uh, at the restaurant would talk to me about fishing and they started inviting me out so often that I was taken away from my my job to make money. So then they started offering me money, and, and I honestly walked into my job one day at a, an Italian restaurant, and um, and I quit. And I started this journey to where I'm at right now. I work on maybe 40 different boats from Fort Pierce to the Keys to the Bahamas, and I've learned a lot from some top-tier tournament captains, top charter captains, right. and, and private people as well. Yeah, I remember one time when we went fishing, you were telling me, um, I think you guys were doing the Kingfish tournaments. Yes. And you were trying to learn as much as you could, and you were just saying, dude, if I can just stay on a boat, if I can just stay on a boat, then I'll be all right. And um, I could feel for you then, you know what I mean? Because there's nobody paves the road for you to go down in this industry, and you really have to pave your own road. And... Um, now I look back at it and I watch all your posts on Facebook and you know your handle now and and I'm like I'm proud of you. I'm like I'm like that's what it's all about. It's about staying focused, applying yourself, being honest, acting like a professional is supposed to act. 
And it's amazing what that can do for somebody. And it's amazing how many people can't do that. You know what I mean? So and I feel great when I sit, why, why, when I watch one of your posts and I say, man, check him out. He's doing Wahoo right now. You know, I remember, you know, when he was just trying to stay on a, on a tournament boat. Now he's teaching people how to do Wahoo and making people's days and dreams come true. And, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. When somebody comes down here from someplace else and they go out on a sport fishing boat, they're going to get either two experiences and it has nothing to do with how many fish they catch. They're going to get with somebody that actually cares and is going to work hard for them that day and understands the experience. Or they're going to get on a boat with somebody that's just trying to get through the end of the day because he needs 200 bucks to do whatever he's got to do at the end. You know what I mean? And trust me when I tell you, and I'm sure you're getting to know this, is the clients feel that. Whether you catch fish or not is irrelevant. I mean, it always helps. <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they need somebody on the boat that actually cares what's going on. I learned a lot from some people. One of the biggest things I learned before getting into the charter business is that it's not 100% about catching the fishes. We're creating a good experience. Yeah. For, for the clients it's like a hospitality type deal and if you catch fish and create a great experience it's a double bonus right right two birds and one stone yeah well you obviously uh got busaka over here as a big fan you know I, I'm, I'm gonna say this about about taylor you know i've this is well this is the first time we've actually met in person um you know, we've conversed a little bit over social media over the past year or so. Um, but kind of more recently, you know, I've actually gotten to talking to you on the phone and whatnot. On the phone and everything and text. And, you know, you've shared some, some interesting stuff with me. And, and this is kind of kind of going back to what Jeff was saying about how, you know, you've been able to stay focused. You know, and I remember you sharing some stuff with me that I was kind of thinking to myself, like, wow, it's like. How do you how do you still maintain that level of work ethic and drive and focus when all when you got all this other noise so to speak going on in the background? So just kind of hearing that about you and seeing where you've not only come to but where you've been able to maintain yourself was really impressive to me. Thank you. I mean, I don't honestly really think it's that tough to maintain that when you do something that you love. Yeah, it makes I, it much easier. I think when people are out there, um, I advise almost everyone to go out there and do something you love because I used to sit at home and watch these YouTube motivational speakers. And they would literally say, quit your job, wake up in the morning and just change your life. And I used to be so scared because it is. It's, it's financially scared and, and it's fear-based, you know. And when I did it, it, it really wasn't tough for me to be obsessed and lose sleep over being obsessed with fishing and learning or lose relationships, lose friends, even be distant with, with family members because being down here in Florida and working six to seven days a week and traveling, it really wasn't too tough when you love something that much. You're obsessed with it. It's an obsession. It is for yeah. me, for me. Yeah. I think, I think Busaka starting to, you know, let the obsession take over a little bit. Listen, after, after going out and getting my, getting my, my taste of bonefish, the obsession has kind of kicked in, I got to say. Talk, talking about your bonefish. So 
DeFusco shows up to do the podcast, and he comes in, and he's got a half a dozen cannolis for you. Yeah. So, and he's got Brooklyn root beer, too. Right, and mm. Brooklyn root beer. Mm. And let's just say he's, like, looking out for you. But Taylor also brought you a gift, and it's all wrapped up. I know. Can, can we take a second to open this? Absolutely. I wrapped it myself. It's not that good, but... Taylor, I mean, shoot, look at this. This looks like it was done by a professional. Listen, Busaka, I knew it was a really big deal. You know, it was. For you, Jeff, get... would you mind holding this? Hold on, let me open this for you. Or you open it for and me. And would you put the mic in front of your mouth so it people is can right hear there. you? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Busaka. <laughs> this is not rocket science over uh, here. I know, dude. All right, dude. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Dude. Dude. Taylor. You painted this yourself? Uh, no, you know what's funny? Now listen, you know what's funny about this, guys? Well, tell everybody what it is. Remember, they so, can't so, see. Yeah, I know. I'm going to post a picture of this, too. So Taylor, like a gentleman that he is, he actually got me a, what is this, like a 11 by 12? Looks like picture. Looks pastel of bonefish, mudding, and, the, and tailing in the flats. Mm. Very nice. And, 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 you know, I, I kind of want to say, too, I know that this sounds kind of corny, but, you know, I was telling Jeff, I've, I've gotten really into Flip Palette recently and watching Flip Palette's show. And Flip Palette had an episode where he had a guy named Tim Borski on. And Tim, big time fisherman in the Keys, but he's also a well-known painter. And Flip would always talk about how Tim was able to capture, like, moments in his pictures that it brings back memories. And I got to tell you, just looking at this picture, it's kind of bringing back the memory of, you know, seeing those bonefish tail in that bay. Well, you didn't get a mountain or anything, so now you got a picture. So now I've got a picture. Given to you by another real guy that you yes. can have on your wall. Taylor, thank you so much for that, man. Oh, no problem, man. My really? pleasure. Now, read. It's even better for us Sicilians or Italians. Read the name of the painter in the bottom right corner. Pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Pasta. Pantaleo. 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 Pasta oh Pantaleo. God. Yeah. Right. Nice Cuban kid from Miami. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awfully nice of you. That's you awfully I, nice. I, I, I'm, I'm honestly a little bit taken aback right now, dude. This is, and it was funny because I was walking through Bass Pro the other day and I was and I saw a, a, a bonefish pick and I was like, gosh, maybe I should buy this for my room. Get out and of I, here. I, I swear to you. Because I even texted a picture to my buddy, and I was like, maybe I should get this for my room. Dude, if you quit being so animated and hold the microphone right next to your mouth, it would really help. Dude, this is that's recording, like the disadvantage know. of being Italian, is that we're so animated, and the hands are flying all over the table. You know what I mean. Well, if, you're not, if you don't stop, I'm going to put the headphones on you, and then let Taylor have the microphone. I know. You're actually rather calm. I don't see you using your hand. Well, actually, you know, I'm right in there. Jensen Beach. We're at the cottages. It's really nice here. You know, I'm kind of zenned out. Right? I'm super fired up about this picture. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. Dude, I, I can't wait to sport the hell out of this thing. Dude, I think that's I think that's very fitting, exactly what you need. I mean, when you do catch your your first bonefish, that's like... Yeah. All you have is a story and maybe a, you know, a cheap photo from your iPhone. Now you got something on the wall that you can look at and you can, like, remember your first bonefish. Pretty good. Good stuff. You, brother. All right. So now that uh, we get all this, you know, Italian love put aside and, you know, I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about why we decided to uh, come down here and uh, do an episode with Taylor, because um, 
What was it? You you reached out to Taylor what a week ago, two weeks ago? What was it? Two weeks ago, I think it was right. Yeah, about yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah, I reached out to him, and you know, when because I I wanted to get Taylor on too, and you know, I called him and I said, to, you know, we'd love to have him, and I asked him, you know, is there if there's any topics in particular that he wanted to speak about? Right. And there was two in particular. Uh, Taylor, you want to kind of tell us what they were again? One of the topics I kind of wanted to talk about, and you guys touch base on it on one of the previous podcasts that I listened to, is talking about professionals, whether they're guides or charter captains or I guess you can say influencers in the social media world, um, catching these fish, saying that they're a certain weight, and they're obviously not. Right. And how that affects different aspects in, in our fishing industry. Right. Right. So a little different than just telling a story, you know, with a couple friends, you know, and you exaggerate a little bit. Yeah, I caught a 25 pound dolphin, you know, damn well, it was 18 pounds. But the difference between um, doing that and then the professionals doing it seemed to really irritate you. Is that correct? There's two sides to that. There's sides where we can joke about it. Like, hey, did you see so-and-so post that, you know, 40-pound dolphin uh, and, and he's calling it like an 80 or something like that. And then there's a side that, you know, we really, it really boils our blood a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think, I think when guys, especially professionals, do it over and over and over again on social media um, for the only purpose to book more trips. And it's like, really? You have to be dishonest with, and you know, people think being ignorant is like an insult. It's not an insult. It's just, you know, if you don't know, you don't know. Not you knowing. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So the people that don't know that are looking at these photos and looking at these fishing operations and they're consistently lying, it ain't right. No. It ain't right. And I feel your pain a little bit. I mean, it does. It infuriates you as a pro because... Like you say, you do the, you, you tell the truth, you do what you're supposed to do, you show up on time, you give it your all, and then you come home and you look at the stuff on Instagram and you're like, I can't believe they did that over and over and over again. And the fact that they're getting away with it too. Well, I, some guys are, are fishing for attention. You know, that's why they fish. And some fishermen fish for funds, you know, and some people fish for fish. You know, there, there's different categories out there but let's let's put an example out there so i was in the fort lauderdale meat mayhem tournament and we caught that 66 pound bull you right, know one right. i remember that picture too yeah biggest mahi i've ever caught biggest mahi most people would ever get yeah on a spinning rod with a 20 pound test over an hour and and uh i'll never want to do it again it was it was it was brutal doing it on that that light tackle right and the stress level but anyway when, when i took a picture of the fish what i do is i'll message a guy like Scotty Fawcett, he he uh he's one of the big time captains out here. He's caught plenty of mahi's. I'll message them and be like, "What do you what do you think that weighs?" Or if I tell someone it was sixty six, and I told someone, I said, "You know, I think we got a fifty pounder." And and Scotty told me, you know, I think the thing is around sixty three pounds. In my professional opinion, these guys aren't coming around saying, "Dude, I got an eighty, right. I got a seventy five. We wait until we weigh the fish or we do the respectful professional thing and we undercut our guesstimate by five pounds. And that's what I was taught. Right. right. So you don't sound 
like a bimbo coming back to the dock or to a tournament and, and you got a 66 pound fish and you told everyone you got a 75. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, numbers like that are always a little touchy and there's so many people, especially online, they say shit and do stuff online that nobody would ever do, you know, in the real world or to your face or whatever. And, um, I don't know. If you underestimate pretty much all the fish that you catch, it's like the gentleman thing to do. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I want to tell people about the fish. I want to show my fish off. But let me take the humble approach. Let me say, hey, yeah, maybe the fish was 30 pounds. And, you know, you probably feel that he was 33 or 35 pounds. So you say I got a 30-pounder. And in the real guy world, you know, we've kind of broken it down into lunker or certified lunker. So we're able to take a lot of the weights and measurements right out of it. You can take a good look at a fish. You don't have to worry about your measurement. You don't have to worry about your weight. You can say, hey, that's a lunker. And if it's a little bit more impressive than a regular lunker, then you can say it's a certified lunker. And it's kind of what you were talking about. It's kind of like the underestimating your, your weights or calling it taking the humble approach to the catch instead of the exact opposite and it seems like when people do the opposite where they over exaggerate and lie they're doing it for all the wrong reasons but we know like they think that we don't know the other pros know we know yeah the other pros know and what does it really make you do it makes you have a bad opinion about somebody and in our world the way this world goes around, it's very important to have a great reputation because if you have a great reputation, you will get referrals from other guides and other charter businesses. And the guys that you want to get your referrals from are usually those guys because they're so booked up that they can't take them all. So that guy helps the other guy, you know, it's very, you know, they're getting back to the real guy helping the real guy thing. And then if you throw in a bunch of horseshit and a bunch of lies, you can't live with that. It doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like a real guy can't help that dude. And that dude is never going to help the real guy. And um, I think it's correct to call these people out. And if they get well, upset or... Where do we start? You know? We start, we do, do, you, we, do you send them a message in the inbox? Do you do it on the post? Do you pull them aside at the dock? Go face to face. You pull them aside on the dock. Like I had an issue that I brought up in the previous, you know, short little philosophy um, podcast. And I'll tell you exactly the process. First, you talk to the dude face to face. And then you get his feedback. And you make sure that he understands what you're saying. And make sure that you understand what he's saying. Because maybe he doesn't know any better. And you would never know that unless you talk to him face to face. Now you're assuming that he knows better. So once you've been able to get that out of the way, okay, this guy knows better. You can only do that when you talk to him face to face. Then you tell him exactly what's on your mind. And then you sit back and you wait. And you see, maybe he changes habits a little bit. And then if he doesn't, now you tell him exactly what you intend to do about it. And if you want to do posts on social media, or you want to talk about it in a podcast, or you want to tell his boss, or whatever 
it is that you think is the right thing to do, you do that. And you do it because you believe it, and you are fighting and striving for what? The truth. Because as they say, the truth will set you free. Mm, 100%. And yeah, yeah, I know, you know, it's, dude, it's in the big book. Well, that's, that's, that's the professional way to, to go about it. I think so. 100%, the right way. I was kind of upset for a little bit. You know I'm in the meat tournaments. Right. So we go by, by weight. Yeah. For these everything. tournaments. It's everything. And we had an idea that each time we saw someone with a post with, let's say, a 40-pound kingfish, they said it's 40, and it's really 20. A lot of people misjudge fish. Mahi look bigger than they are. Kingfish look bigger than they are. And, and you get excited. I get that for the guy that goes out on the weekend. Right. But a professional captain of a professional tournament team or charter guy, when they're on there saying they got a 50-pound kingfish and the thing's 35, we were going to put his picture up on Facebook and put him in a drawing for a, uh, a free digital scale for his boat. That's a polite way of doing it. Because it's not 100% attacking them. It's making a joke about it. But at the same time, some asses will get chapped. Yeah, and and, and it's a good way to to get the message across without being a total asshole. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because people, I mean, if you let your emotions get involved and you you, you get pissed off and you yell at somebody or rant about it or whatever, the first thing you're going to do is get defensive. It's like what we just talked about with Rufus. Control your emotions. Right? Control your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that. I like that. So if I have a guy in uh, the Broward area or anywhere that I see, can I reach out to you, expose the dude, and then what? You're going to send him a scale? Well, what we'll, what we'll do is if <laughs> we, we had a rule. If you're over a certain amount, like say if you're over 10 pounds, your name gets put in a drawing for at the end of the month. So we'll get, I'm going to guess with how social media is going between here and Fort Lauderdale, I can probably get 10, 10 names in there easy. <laughs> and it comes up with a drawing. Now, if you overestimate your fish by 20 pounds and it's been done, you automatically win. You're going to get your picture up on there with your fish that you said, and we're going to send you a scale because these people really need to be educated on on how much these these fish weigh, and I know you said earlier in the, in the podcast that it's a little bit different for when you're telling a story to the kids or your wife when you get home and whatnot. To me, when you lie on social media, these professionals saying that you caught a forty pound kingfish and it's twenty pounds, you're lying to your wife when you come home. You're lying to your to your kids. You know, I'm bringing it to that level. Well, no, they're lying. They're also swindling. They're swindling business. Yeah. You know, and that's the part that gets to me. Because the guys that don't lie are getting swindled. You know what I mean? And eh, it's hard to swallow. You know, I haven't been here that long. Jeff, you know, I've I've worked for some some great guys. I think fishing's changed even in in the six or seven years that I've been here. But, um it used to be something when you caught a 30 pound mahi, you know, it, it, it still is, is what I'm saying. And it, it ruins the, it's disrespectful to the fish when everyone, everyone's catching thirties now, right. You know, everyone posts on there, they call them gaffers, you know, and these are like 15 pound fish. And what I also wanted to bring up is it, it's not just about swindling to get more business or lying to your kids when you get home or lying to your wife when you get home as well, which I'm joking about. 
But um, <laughs> if everyone's saying that we're catching these 30, 40 pound class fish, which offshore, that those, I don't care what kind of fish you catch. If you catch a 30 or 40 pound fish, that's a good fish. Yeah. No matter what class it is. It's not helping the industry because I think in the industry right now, um, those mahi are kind of rare from even fishing a couple of years ago. Those king fish are rare, and everyone's thinking that we're catching a bunch of 30s and 40s out there. Um, we just had a tournament, one of the biggest tournaments um, out of uh, Pompano Beach, and the boundaries was basically from damn near the Keys to Sebastian, um, and the biggest fish that won it was a 40-pound kingfish. Right. I remember years ago when I fished kingfish tournaments, if you had a, a, a 30 or a 35, you didn't even go to weigh-ins and, because there was 50s out there. Right, right. So by everyone saying and not knowing what these weights are, the people are thinking that the fishery is up, and it's not. Right. It's really not. Right, right, and right. And the danger with that is then they think it's okay. Well, oh, let's keep this one. Let's keep keeping this fish. Yeah. I mean, the, the ocean's a little different when it comes to, you know, sport fishermen keeping fish i mean shit we could keep pretty much everything we catch and if the commercial fishermen weren't around it wouldn't make a dent on anything but i don't know it's just good to you have to have your you know you have to live by some certain morals and um you know in our business you know fish counts and the weights of the fish and how big they are it means something you know what i mean and it means something internally and um you know, this is kind of my argument with um, the FWC. If you don't hold these captains and people that fish every day as one of your peers, then you're never going to be able to communicate. You know what I mean by that? If the FWC officers that we had actually knew and talked to, the guys that are fishing the 200 days a year, they're out there five days a week, and they talk to us on a weekly basis... They would know stuff that there's no way they could ever know without that. You feeling me? So, yeah, you know, there should be there should be a standard that everybody goes by, but there's not. And it's never going to be that way. But it makes great conversation for podcast. You know yeah, what I mean? Agreed. <laughs> now, moving on by, what you got... Did I, did I cut you off? No, you did. I just I, I was thinking about something else I wanted to ask Taylor, but I'll, I'll let you go. No, I was going to change topics, so go ahead. Well, I'm going to change the topic, too. Good. You okay with me to change the topic? Someone was going to do it. You want to do it? Do I'll it. I'll do the honors. I'll do the honors. So we Taylor, still got some more cannolis over there, guys, I know, too. right. You know? Them things were good. Mm. So, Taylor, <laughs> when Jeff and I on our way down here, like we were talking before with Rufus, you know, because we had a lot of time to talk on the way down here, and we had a lot of things come up, but... You know, what we wanted to talk to everybody about, and one hot topic that came up with you is, and be honest, what do you think is the secret to, like, a good sauce? A good sauce? An Italian sauce. Like that Sunday gravy. I might stay out of this one, guys. No, I... you can't. You're Italian. You, you, you're in it no matter what. You can only be the, in it if you have sauce every Sunday. Maybe you ought to ask me if you had sauce every Sunday or something. When was the last well, time you had sauce well, on Sunday? Here, here's the thing, guys. This is why I want to stay out of it. I'm like a human trash can. I eat everything. I love everything about food. I can't gain weight. I mean, I think I honestly ate fast food for the past 30 days. All right? I will eat anything and everything. And you know what's funny is... um. Here, one of the, the top captains, Patrick Price on the on the Daymaker, it was my first time working for him. 
and uh and first impressions are everything right and this is like my career biggest captain one of the biggest captains i look up to i worked for i ate his lunch on the first day on the boat what do you his- know it was him you know what was his? He was on the keto diet, and he had these cheese pepperoni things rolled up, and I thought it was like an appetizer, and I ate it. And he came down, and it was his entire lunch. <laughs> you ate his lunch? <laughs> Attaboy. Oh. Attaboy. And what was the repercussion? What happened after that? He didn't throw you off the boat. Well, he? he posted on Facebook. He goes, guys, my keto diet's going great. I lost eight pounds this week, and I posted on there, yeah, because your mate eats all your lunches. <laughs> They're gonna say he said I lost eight pounds and I lost my lunch. So listen, I'm not really the guy to ask about the the reds. I'll I'll eat it. You got it. I'll eat it. Hmm. We'll have to save that one for Paul Romo. Well, I don't know if he really is Italian. Uh, dude, I told you he's Italian. <laughs> you're Sicilian. <laughs> well, you're Sicilian too. Well, I'm not the one that has the issue. I know it is that an issue. Dude, no, were you talking to the mic? Oh my gosh, dude. It's important. It's a, it's a, it's a, we need, we need to get a third headset. Well, I'll tell you this. Ever since I moved to South Florida, I love it here. Right. The food isn't, I, I can't deal with the food. The food's horrible. Down here. Um, up I, in, up in Jersey, South Jersey, they got these old buildings and they look like crap on the outside. But when you go on the inside, these old Italian restaurants and they know you by your name when you walk in and you're getting fed buttered bread and you're getting a salad before even pasta or anything else you're yeah, full i don't know how the, i don't know why the guys the restaurants can't get a grip down here the north end of boston's the same way and you go into these little rugged places and yeah. it doesn't look like anything special and then they they bring out a plate of food that you just die for and i was talking about that this last week because i did that that trip to costa rica right and we're staying in los sueños which is like the fanciest mm-hmm. place in all of costa rica to stay we got this beautiful place and downstairs they have a marriott and some restaurants by the marina and then as soon as you get out of los Feños, i mean it's not real pretty you got Haco beach which is it's okay but let's just saying at night it gets pretty colorful and the little town right next to los Feños isn't exactly what you'd call high-end or anything but you go into these little restaurants the freaking restaurants are held together by sticks tin roofs no AC. You look in the back, the kitchen's being run with wood. That's how they're heating stuff. And they're cooking back there. And then they bring out this plate of food that is too big to eat. It's absolutely delicious. And they did it with nothing. Then you go down to the resort there in Los Sueños and you eat in the big fancy place. And they bring out the food. And... Eh, it's okay. Nothing special. But it's exactly like all the restaurants in Fort Lauderdale. Overpriced. You're paying big rents. They got the $200,000, $150,000 a year chef. And then they bring out a plate of food that, eh, is pretty good. Nothing special. And then the and then the people up in the hills or whatever can make the food that's just absolutely to die for. That's like how I felt when I went to Bimini. You got the freaking, the little shack that is literally smaller than this room. And the guy, and they bring you out freaking six conch, huge conch fritters loaded with conch that they make right in front of you. Two bucks. You go to the restaurant at the Hilton, at the resort. I forgot what it was called. Mm-hmm. They charge you up the yin-yang, <laughs> first of all. 
It was like 65 bucks for this one entree. First of all, it was small. And it wasn't even that good. I was like, it's okay. And the Bahamas isn't exactly what I would call, you know, a place for fine dining or good food. I, I think the conch. best you're going to get is your conch fritters and a couple of local yokel, you know, conch salads and some things like that. Whatever you bring in there is what, what you're going to eat, whatever you catch that that day. Or other than that, you don't know what you're getting. I remember <laughs> we brought fish last time, and we brought um, – I shot a couple lionfish, a couple hogfish, and they put it down on the, the plate for us. And there's, there was nine of us. Nine, there was like, we brought like nine businessmen from Ohio over there. They've never seen a hogfish. They've never been in the water. And we only had a couple fish to bring in there. And they came out with this stack of food. I said, Where, where'd they get all this food from? And the guy said, this was the best eating hogfish I've ever had. Now, I like hogfish, but this was, this was good. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I got. You wanna, I, I'll tell you the old trick. Uh, yeah, a trick, but I'll tell you what happens in the Bahamas. People eat a lot of barracuda in the Bahamas. The barramundi. They love barracuda. Dude, I'm not kidding you. They they love barracuda, the Bahamians. Bahamian wahoo. And they will serve it to you, and you don't know that it's barracuda. And they serve it to you as um, grouper most of the time. Maybe that's but what I ate. That's what we tip the uh, the dock hands uh, over there is with, uh, is with the kudas. Yeah, as soon as you come in, kudas, uh, and they'll watch your boat. They'll watch your stuff. Um, so no one messes, messes with your stuff. But you know what the funny thing is? over there i can tell a quick story is these are all business guys from from ohio and i told them that the the, the sharks in the bahamas are, are ridiculous right now and in okay. uh in south florida as soon as you shoot something i'm talking even shooting lobsters the reef sharks come yeah, in yeah and uh, i got certified in level one free diving so i can do rescue swimming so people like to bring me on their trips i said guys i'm gonna start shooting some of these hogfish don't be scared if a shark comes in. Don't go swimming for the boat all frantic. And then, you know, all you do is swim towards the boat slowly and keep your eyes on him. Call me over. Here comes a big reef shark. I said to the guys into the boat, there's a big reef shark in the area. Just make your way over to the boat. I'll be the last one. I'll watch your six, you know. This guy from Ohio <coughs> swims straight at the reef shark, and he's trying to shoot the reef shark with the pole spear. Oh, Jesus. He hit it twice. And it bounced off the skin. Really? From Ohio. Usually people, new people, when they see a shark, they get very scared. Sure. Nervous wrecks. They head for the hills. He was trying to stab a shark with a pole spear. I don't know oh, about... Boy. Well, hey, I don't know, but aggression might cause aggression. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't even get in the water no more. No? I've seen enough shit get eaten that's on my line. So many times, right underneath my nose, and the size of some of these sharks and everything, it's just, I don't know. It's not like I'm afraid of the sharks, but it's like an upside down side. It's like I've been on the water a lot. I've seen all that crap so many times, and I've seen the big sharks come in so many times, and I'm just more comfortable in the boat nowadays. And then having a cigar every day doesn't exactly help. My, my dad did. <laughs> Spear fishing for years, and he's got a whole bunch of stories with sharks. We should get my dad on a podcast one day. I'd like to hear about some of the big giant yachts that they're selling over there at Fraser Yachts. <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean. sure he'll be happy to talk about that too. So, Taylor, um, so you're mating um, here out of Jensen. 
What's the name of the boat you're on? Which one? The big one, the one you've been offshore with. Uh, Fort Pierce is, is the last mango. Last mango, okay. Last mango I got out of Fort Pierce. I was just with uh, Patrick Price with the Daymaker Charters uh, here in Stewart. And then um, there's a couple in Palm Beach, a couple in Jupiter, a couple down in the Keys. And then sometimes we go across to the Bahamas too. Every day is different once my phone goes off. So you're you're basically playing um, musical chairs with the different boats in order to, to stay busy. Yeah, what I wanted to do is some people they like to hone in on their backwaters, and right. that's what they that's what they learn. For me, I took every opportunity I could get. I literally brought a GoPro, and social media is how I got where I'm at today as well because no one knew who my name was. You know, a couple years. Um, now maybe a couple people do. Right. Um, and I would just film myself on these boats, uh, fishing and some of these captains saw the kid out there catching, you know, some fish and he heard that, you know, the kid works hard and they call me up and invite me out when their mate is away for a week. Right. You know, and then on some boats I've, I've beaten the first mate out of, out of a spot or the first mate will hire me for a personal trip when they bring their families over the Bahamas. And I thought that was a real honor for, when when the first mate invites the second mate to work for their Bahamas trip, or when they ask you, can you teach me? Right. Can right. You, can you can you teach me something? So um, I don't know if I want to go get my own center console, and uh, and run charters and get my my license, or do I want to get on a big boat and go travel and maybe do the Marlin circuit? I got an offer, a couple offers this year. Uh, I declined. Um, I wanted to learn these home waters, so now I get to learn from top captains from Fort Pierce down to the Keys. So any inlet I go out, right. uh, I can learn how to fish because every inlet's different. I, I had no clue. Yeah, yeah, no, there's 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 different, you know, little tricks. There's different, you know, bait's a big deal. And um, that totally changes according to where you go. But um, I think it's a great strategy. You know, there's something to be said about, you know, being on one boat and working on one boat for a long period of time. But I think um, being able to jump from boat to boat, not only does it teach you different things, but it also shows other people that, hey, Taylor's not afraid, you know, to get his feet wet and to do something different. Taylor tries to learn and has the capability to learn. It's scary at first because... You know, the captain's the boss. He's up in the tower, and you have this big pit right. to run. And he tells you to go, when I didn't know how to planer fish, and he tells you to go grab a planer and put a planer down or to rig a ballyhoo like this right? or to put a kite up in right. the air, and you don't know how to do that. It makes yourself vulnerable, and it's very stressful. And sometimes you people crack in the middle of the day. Sure. You know, and, and they, they it psychologically puts a lot of uh, – stress on you but when you when you learn how each captain does things and you and you learn each you add a lot of weapons to your arsenal well that and in in when you when you go from boat to boat and you learn a little bit and a little from different people what you also learn to do is you learn how to communicate with a captain and once you know how to communicate with a captain it's pretty universal that you can communicate with many different captains and it's about letting them know what you don't know often because if they assume you know something and you don't tell them that you don't know it 
then they expect it out of you, and both of you guys are going to hit a dead end. So if you're honest and you talk and you go back and forth, and the communication is key, and there's certain things that you're going to be very good at naturally, and it comes easy to you, then there'll be other things that you're not very good at that you're going to have to work at and practice and practice until you get good at that. And when the captains see that you're able to learn something that you're not comfortable with, master it, and then be able to do it for them, because really all you are is an extension of the captain when you're a mate. And some of these mates think that they're so fucking good and they get cocky. And you can't do that. All you are as a mate is an extension of the captain. If your captain sucks, you're going to suck. If your captain's great, you have the potential to be great. You see? And a lot of mates get confused. And being humble is a big part of it. You have to learn how to get yelled at. You have, to, criticism. you have to learn how to bite your tongue. And then like Rufus was saying, you got to learn how to control the emotions. And um, God knows, you know, emotions run wild when you're sport fishing. Things happen very fast. Things happen fast. The intensity levels rise. And it's how you're able to perform when things are very intense is what makes people comfortable or uncomfortable. Like, I have, I have, I want to know if it's a bad habit or a good habit, but when shit gets intense on my boat, my voice raises. And I get pretty adamant about what I want you to do or not want you to do. And very rarely do I offend somebody doing that. But people aren't necessarily ready for that, you know, until it happens. And then every once in a while, yeah, I'll piss somebody off. But more times than not, I'm able to get their intensity level raised to a point where everybody ends up, you know, happy at the end of the day. Me and Busaka had a, a story about that time when I went fishing with you. And, uh, yeah, that's right. The, the, the bridge trip, sp right? Speaking of intensity from, from Captain Jeff Maggio, I, I went out there, and I, I think it was when I just started kind of mating, and I, and, and I get on Jeff's boat, and I'm trying to touch everything, and I'm really just what trying to be helpful. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to be helpful, right? And Jeff goes, dude, just don't walk back there. Just just chill, you know? He didn't, I don't think he really said that, but I just got that. Like, just chill. But I really wasn't used to a guy, you know, I just I just wanted to be helpful, you know? And and I Jeff had his thing locked down from start to finish, and there's, there's certain ways you want certain things done. I see that now. Then I didn't. But me and my friend looked at each other, and, and, and he, he's the one who uh, got the trip with Jeff. And he goes, all right, Taylor, now we're going to drop these mullets near these pilings. Now if the snook grabs it, this is what I heard. Jeff said, just, just let it go because he'll come out of the piling eventually, right? So here we go. I throw a mullet back there. This big snook grabs it, and I'm just standing there with the pole and, like, free spool. And Jeff's going, dude, what are you doing? Get it out of there. And he starts yelling at me, dude. And I said, me and my buddy looked at each other and we go, dude, Jeff told us to leave it back in the pilings. And we broke off the snook, you know, and, and, and we didn't get it. Dude, the first time I was, I was experienced <laughs> to, to, to real Captain Jeff was the tarpon. And we were out there, just he and I, and, we, and he goes, do me a favor. He goes, put the rod in the rod holder for a second. He goes, just, just leave it there. Just put it there. 
And then all of a sudden the thing goes off and I'm going to grab it. He's just like, wait, 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 just give it a minute. Just give it a minute. Rod goes off again. I go, all right, let me go and give it a minute. And it's like, dude, are you going to grab it again? <laughs> dude, I don't know. I think you guys got listening issues or whatever. But um, now there's things change. Things change quickly. And, um, you know, intensity level is big. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm sure that I've pissed some people off in the past. But I think, you know, overall... It could happen to anybody. And if you can handle the, I don't know, if you want to call it criticism constructively, and you can move forward and um, you can learn from it, maybe a little, then, you know, that's what makes the world go around. I mean, I've had football coaches, you know, some of them are just easy going and, you know, kind of talk to you and, you know, try to make it, you know, nice and easy for you to listen. And then I have other guys that rip my head off. You know what I mean? And there's a time and place for everything. And then uh, in the sport fishing, it just happens. The intensity level gets up there and um, communication can often break down. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about catching fish and, um, you know, working hard at doing it. And... I don't know. I think it's cool that you went with me way back when and that you put in all this time since then. And then here we are, you know, talking about it. And um, I think it's cool that you made a relationship with Busaka, even though you didn't really know him. I think that's a good testament to the Real Guy Network. Yeah, we just had some cannolis. Right? Yeah. And, uh, he buys me a picture. Dude, that's class. Like a gentleman. And it's one of the things that uh, we stress in the Real Guy Network. And... Um, Taylor, thanks for coming in and doing a recording with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it, man. You know, we're pulling for you. Keep doing the keep doing the good work. And um, stay honest. I don't think you got to worry about that with that kid. I should say keep keep being honest. I should say. Yeah, keep your course. And um, if there's anything I can ever do to help you, you know, you can reach out. You know, it's part of the Real Guy Network. Real guys help real guys, and I know you're trying real hard. And um, just really appreciate you coming in. Run that dog. Run that dog. Run that dog.